resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is the central theme of Christianity. If Christ is not risen, Christianity has no foundation. Our faith is empty and our preaching is empty as Paul says. If Christ is not risen, the hope for this life is limited to the life that we have on this earth. If Christ is not risen, Jesus and all the apostles are liars. If Christ is not risen, we don't have a foundation on which we can stand today and we can hope for good things to come in the future. You know, more than all, all of the things that we said, we would not have any hope beyond the life that we have on this earth. So more than everything that we said, if Christ is not risen, we will not have hope beyond the life that we have on this earth. Our hope would have been a dead hope. The hope, we would have lost that hope already. The whole, even the little hope that we have, the more we come to know that Christ is not risen, you know, it, it will die and it will fade away. But thank God, Christ rose from the dead so that our hope is alive today. Amen? Our hope is well and alive today because Christ has risen. So this morning, I would like to title my sermon as Living Hope. Can you say that with me? Living Hope. The text for our sermon is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you can open your Bibles, you can just open the Bible and just, you know, keep, put a placeholder there. So uh, we are going to expound and exegete these scriptures in a section by section as we go through. We are not just going to read that together, but we are going to read that section by section. So our text for this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, an amazing scripture portion from the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Shall we read that together? Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So here Peter is making an address as he wrote this epistle or he wrote this letter. So the author of the epistle, we know him very well, or this letter is Peter. He was one of the apostles of Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember the apostles were the first witness of the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. And they were the first preachers of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, they all, they were all having extraordinary and excellent gifts. They were operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The power of God was upon the apostles. You know, they were working miracles. May not be all the time when, when, when it pleased Christ. You know, they were working miracles among people. And they were leading people into truth. 
They were telling about, they were preaching about the, the purpose for which Jesus Christ came to this world. And they were all endowed with the spirit of prophecy. And you know, they were, they were having a great power and authority. Even some of those rulers of the nation, they were not having among people. They were having such a control and power and authority over people. Peter was one of the apostles on whom Jesus said, on whom, in, on you, I will build my church. You know, Jesus depended on Peter so much to propagate the agenda of the kingdom of heaven on the face of this earth. And God was using Peter in an amazing way. When Peter was standing and preaching, there were 3,000 and 5,000 people. And who are these people? Majority of them were Jews. They came into the saving knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. If you can go to slide one. Now, to whom this epistle is written, that's what we are trying to find from here. First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. To whom this epistle was written? By looking at their external condition, Bible says they are strangers. They were dispersed throughout Pontus and Galatia and to all other places. If you remember just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just after Peter started preaching and the apostles started preaching and people got getting added and they multiplied in the church, the Roman authority could not handle that. And even the, 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 the church leadership could not handle that. They rose against them. They started persecuting. Soon after the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, what came was the persecution. And these are the people, they were, became strangers, they were dispersed. You know, they were displaced to different parts of Asia Minor during that time. And right now, if you look at their situation, their circumstance was not good, it was just poor. They were all afflicted. You know, at times we have seen the best of God's people. They go through the worst in their lives. At times we wonder why this has to happen to such a man of God, such a woman of God. The worst thing that could happen to anybody can happen to even God's people. The best of God's chosen people, they were just going through hardship in their lives during this time when Peter was writing this letter to them. They are persecuted Jews, majority of them. They are dispersed and displaced servants of God. You know, the value of good people cannot be judged by their external conditions at times. The value of good people cannot be judged based on their social status at times. The value of good people cannot be judged based on their financial conditions at times. Here we see a group of God's people, God's own chosen people, going through a severe adverse external conditions in their lives. But if you look at their spiritual conditions, that's what verse 2 says. If you can quickly read verse 2. Let's see what their spiritual condition is. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. The Father. Sanctified by the Spirit of God. And it obeyed to be allowed to be sprinkled by the blood, cleansed by the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, by looking at their spiritual condition, they are just a so chosen group of people according to the foreknowledge of God. 
You know, today you are sitting here and those who are listening to me, you are able to connect and you are able to keep this time aside because of the foreknowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. The God who found you and my life in the womb of my, our mothers, God spoke the same thing to Prophet Jeremiah and many other people of God. And even God is telling to us today, it is according to the foreknowledge of Lord Jesus. You know, many times we wonder why this is happening in my life. Many times we, you know, we talk about either good and bad. But things happen in the life of a child of God according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. People were persecuted, they were dispersed, but it's all happening according to the foreknowledge of God. At times we wonder why things are happening in this way in my life. The answer is according to the foreknowledge of God. How can a God who loves us so much, you know, be away from us without seeing what we are going through? It's impossible. It's impossible. God knows. God knows the situation that we are in. God knows the condition that we are going through today. And what else the Bible talks about them? They were elect due to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has a duty. The Spirit of God has a power to sanctify our lives. You know, as a child of God, we need to be washed and cleansed by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the time, that's the reason we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And Spirit of God is a good teacher. Spirit of God is a good, good instructor, good counselor. <coughs> and He looks into our heart and He speaks to us. My son, my daughter, I want you to cleanse your life. I want you to prepare yourself. So these are the elect people. They were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So we allow the Spirit of God to work inside of us. We don't block him. We don't stop him. And he works in, in, within us. And he brings things into surface so that our lives can be sanctified. They were elect through the cleansing of the blood. The moment, uh, we can quickly go back to those pictures immediately. The ones we read the scriptures. They were elect through the cleansing of the blood. So they were chosen. They were sanctified. Can you say that with me? Chosen, sanctified, and cleansed. They were cleansed by the blood of, you know, a couple of months before, a couple of years before Jesus shed his blood at the cross. And they came to the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that his blood is able to cleanse them. You know, three things that God wants us to today, even, even do, wants us to do today. God wants us to know that we are chosen generation. Can you say chosen generation? God wants us to know that we are called to be sanctified. God wants us to know that we are called to be cleansed. Let's read verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you can go to the second slide. Jesus' death and resurrection made a whole difference in the way religion was perceived on that day. Until then, religions, religion was totally different. People were so religious, they were, you know, very punctual, very particular, and very regular to go to the temple of God and observe all the festivals. They were all good, well prepared to stand and give reverence and respect when the book of the law is open and read. 
People of God knew exactly what to be done in the solemn environment where they worship God. They knew very well until then, you know, religion was taught in that way. But the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, it brought a whole difference to the way the religion was observed. People who lost everything due to persecution and dispersion, they became hopeless. You remember when Jesus died, all the disciples, they lost their hope. They thought that Jesus is gone. Peter went for fishing. He took his boat and then he went back for fishing. And all the disciples just, you know, started doing their own stuff. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave. He died for us at the cross. And he rose from the dead. And he went to heaven. To prepare a place for us so when jesus died and when he rose from the dead he gave what he gave was living hope amen he gave living hope to his followers and what is that living hope that's what we are going to talk about this morning today you and i have no hope if christ is not risen we all would be like trees and animals We live, we die, we get buried. If Christ is not risen, that's all. That's the kind of hope that you and I have. That's it. There is nothing greater than that. We live like a tree. We live like an animal. And we die without hope. But you know what? The resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ changed everything. Even it changed the way religion was taught in those days. Today, the hope that you have and I have comes because Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, I want us to know this very well. Job says in Job 14, verses 7 to 10, the kind of hope that you and I could have had without, you know, the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. Job says, for, thee, for there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again. And that it thunders it and that its tender shoots will not cease was it though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground it at the scent of water it will bird again bring forth the branches like a plant it's talking about the tree verse 10 but man dies and is laid away Indeed, he breaths his last. And where is he? A very valid cry of a man from the Old Testament. I mean, we don't say this. We don't talk. We don't. We don't attribute ourselves to this scripture. We don't say that. You know, when we breath the last breath, where is he? We don't say that. But it is very valid when when somebody is seeing this afar, without having a you know proper knowledge of what God is going to do. Even though he was a prophet himself, he may not see everything very clearly because he is seeing that from very far. But because Jesus rose from the dead, there is hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus rose from the dead, there is life beyond this life that we live on the face of this earth the living hope gives us an assurance that there is life beyond the grave you know today we are living in a time that christianity is losing this hope you know if we lose that hope you know christ jesus died for us and rose from the dead will go waste 
And we cannot afford to lose this hope. This is our hope that once we die, we will live forever. That is our hope. And we can never lose that hope. Let's move further to verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible. He's talking about the living hope, the life beyond. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. You can go to the next slide. Inheritance. What is that inheritance that he's talking about? Inheritance is nothing but the birthright. It is a birthright. It is something that you did not earn. It is given. That's what is birthright. <laughs> we all work hard. And at the end of the day, we want to leave something which is useful for our generation. And that's why we all struggle. It's a birthright. It's an inheritance. Inheritance is basically earned by parents and grand grandparents and the previous generations, and they leave it for the future generation to enjoy. And this precious salvation that we are talking about is not earned. It is given by God. Ephesians 2:8 Bible says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." How we got saved? By grace and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God it is an inheritance it is a gift of God the very purpose for which Jesus came to this world to give that gift to you and me and he left the gift of salvation and here we are talking about the inheritance of eternal life and Paul says sorry Peter says here to an inheritance and what is the kind nature of that inheritance? Number one, it is incorruptible. Can you say incorruptible? The nature of heaven is exactly the same nature of the heaven's God. The nature of heaven is same as the nature of God himself. Bible says our God is incorruptible God. But the people of this world, they change. They perverted. Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 23, the people of this world, they change the glory of the incorruptible God. Can you read with me? Into an image made like corruptible man. You know, that's where the idol worship comes. That's where the man gods come into picture. And birds. And four-footed animals. And all creeping things. That's the reason people serve today the cow as, an, as a god and, and even dogs as god and serpents as god and you know many animals and birds and many objects are worshipped. Why? Because people, read it again, people of this world, they change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like a corruptible man. And an image of a bird and a four-footed animal and creeping things. See, all corruption is part of this fallen world. When we go to heaven, Paul writes that very clearly in verse 53, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read it for you. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. That's what he says. And this, can you say this corruptible? Just, just show your hands towards your body. Just this corruptible. This corruptible will put on incorruption. That's what is going to happen at the time of resurrection. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption and this mortal is going to put on immortality. The heavenly inheritance of eternal life is incorruptible and then Paul, Peter says undefined, undefiled. 
the sin and the misery and the sorrow that we go through on the face of this earth are the elements of this defiled world again the nature of heaven is like exactly same as the nature of the god of heaven hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 bible says for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy harmless and undefiled our high priest lord jesus christ who is in heaven he is undefiled so heaven is undefiled too and peter goes on saying this inheritance does not fade away the life after eternity there is no weariness there is no tiredness things are not going to fall apart things are not going to become weak it will always maintain its vigor it will always maintain its beauty amen do you want to, yourself to be found so beautiful you need to go to you need to go to not beauty parlor you need to go to heaven heaven exactly great good answer when we go to heaven our beauty is not going to diminish wrinkles are not going to come right so you can just be as you are you can imagine the best time of your life you know you're handsome and beautiful at some point of time probably before you got married You are just maintain you will maintain that same beauty and same handsomeness in the eternity and we don't need to work for it it's given it's not going to fade away it's reserved in heaven that's amazing to know about heaven there is a place reserved for you and for me in a today morning you made the reservation for sunday service right and you all got the confirmation and when you come here you know for sure there is a seat available for you you are sure that Ryan is not going to send you back right because you made a reservation and the Peter is talking about the inheritance that we are talking about the eternal life it's already reserved in heaven for us those who follow the Lamb of God those who follow the Lamb who was slain even before the foundation of the world whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. They have already made a place there for themselves. Those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And those who serve the Lord. And those who, this is important, those who feed the hungry. Those who give water to the thirsty, listen to me. Those who accept strangers. Those who are clothing naked. Those who visit the sick. Those who visit those who are imprisoned. You have already made your place in the heavenly realm. Not everybody. Not everybody. I mean, this is what exactly the word of God says. It is reserved in heaven. It's good to know that we have a reservation already done. There's no waiting list. It's either reservation or cancellation. There is no waiting list. You can go to the next slide. No, sorry, verse 5. Who are kept? Who? Bible talks about those who are waiting for that time of appearance in the eternal glory. Those who are, you know, waiting for the resurrection to take place. If Christ is risen, we are all going to rise from our dead and going to be with him forever. Verse 5 says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time three things that peter is talking about they are kept by 
the power of God. Can you say power of God? <coughs> the lives that are saved must be preserved and must be kept until the time of the eternal salvation. You know, that's why we say that salvation is not just a one-day affair. You cannot say that in a meeting I raised my hands and gave my life to Jesus. And that's it. You cannot say that the salvation needs to be maintained. And here Peter says, who are kept by the power of God. These people, those who are chosen, those who are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, those who are sins are washed by the blood of the Lamb, they are kept. What does it mean they are kept? That means they are just protected. By whom? By the power of God until the salvation. You know, our life in Christ must be protected from all the trials and temptations of life. Listen to me carefully. If not, we will fall from our salvation. Our life needs to be protected from all the trials. There will be trials, there will be temptations, there will be problems. But through it all, we should not lose our salvation. Only power of God can protect that salvation inside of us. Our lives must be protected by the power of God. I mean, that doesn't mean that you know, we don't need to do anything for that. Certainly, we need to strive. We need to struggle to keep our salvation. We need to struggle not to lose our... Bible says we need to work out our salvation every day. We need to ask God to forgive us, forgive our sins every day. We need to allow the blood of the Lamb to be washed over, to wash our lives every day. But you and I need to be shielded by the power of God. Peter is saying, you are waiting for that eternal blessing to come in your life. But until then, you need to be protected. If you don't protect your life, your salvation, even at the last minute, you may lose your salvation and go to hell. But you need to protect your salvation, Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for what? Not for a miracle. It is not a power of God for having a miracle in life. It is a power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is a power of God that we are talking about this morning that can save your life and that can keep our life, keep our salvation and we need the power of God. It's the power of God is not just given to perform miracles, but power of God is needed even to protect your own salvation. You need the power of God. I need the power of God. Secondly, he says, through faith for salvation. Salvation comes to us by faith. It's by faith. Ephesians 2.8 Again, for grace, you have been saved through through faith, not just grace. You need faith too in order to be saved. When we say saved, it is we are talking about saved, getting saved on the face of this earth and getting saved eternally. And that not of our, yourselves, it is the gift of God. Thirdly, he says, it is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's talking about the inheritance, which is protected by the power of God through the faith of faith of salvation, for salvation. And it is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are talking about something that's going to happen in the future. Listen to me carefully. With the eyes of faith, we are seeing that it's coming. It's coming. I don't know when it's coming in my life. I don't know when it's coming in your life. We don't know when it's coming in all our lives. We see this etern eternal redemption far in the future. 
We all believe that one day when we leave from the face of this earth, when Christ Jesus comes back to this world after judgment, he will hand over the eternity into my life in me so that I will be living with the Lord forever and ever. But it has not happened yet. It is in the future. We are able to see that, foresee that it's coming. But right now we are getting ready. We are getting ready. We are trying to do all the things that you and I need to do in order to reserve a place in heaven. It doesn't matter whether you are not reserving a place on Sunday morning in the church, but make sure you reserve a place in heaven. And we try to do everything that we need to do. We listen to the word of God. We obey the word of God. We obey the commandments of God. We try to do everything in order to get ourselves ready to be there. And though it may be ready now, in a greater measure, I would say it is hidden. It is not seen. It is not revealed yet at present. And it is going to be revealed. He says, ready to be revealed in the last time. It is going to be revealed only later. And if you read the Bible, we know that after judgment, God is going to decide who is going to live in the eternal world. Eternal heaven. And it's going to be revealed completely only at the last time. That's what Peter says. <coughs> and life and the life of immortality is brought to light by the gospel, by the revelations that people of God receive from God. Listen to me. Life and immortality, our life after death is revealed to us by the gospels and all the writings that we have in the word of God. But this life will be revealed to us in a very more glorious way in the future. When the soul is taken out of our lives, when the soul is admitted in the presence of God Almighty, that's the time the life eternity is going to begin. Because your flesh is not going to be there. Your soul, your soul, the moment we die, the soul is waiting for the judgment to take place. Our body is buried. Our spirit goes to God from where it came. And our soul is waiting, waiting. There are millions of souls have been waiting for the day of judgment and then the day of judgment. Our soul is getting admitted in the presence of God. The life eternal is going to begin. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12, Paul writes again, For now we see in a mirror. We have only the revelation. We have not seen that. We see only in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just I also am known. Now I know very little, very dimly, but on the day, I, I'm getting, getting to know everything. How it's all put together and how it's all going to work. The eternal life. But I know only the revelation. Now it's only revealed. I have not seen that yet. Let's continue. First Peter 1 Peter 1.6 In this you greatly rejoice. Peter says, there is so much of revelation is given to me by God Almighty already about the life that is yet to come, the life that is after resurrection. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Peter is saying here, you can go to the next slide, please. <clears throat> there are certain things that are very certain. Number one, joy is certain. The rejoicing is certain. There is certainly, there is a great joy in the midst of troubles. If you remember, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And what he said, in the world you will have, what do we have? Tribulations. In this world we will have tribulations. We can't find anybody without tribulation. It happens to people, those who don't believe God, people, those who believe God. It happens to everybody because we are all living in the same world, in the fallen world. In this world, we will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can overcome little by little when we are living on the earth and we can overcome. In a we can take a leap and jump into the eternity and overcome everything eternally. But in this world, you will have tribulation. But in the midst of tribulation, your joy is very certain. If you're asking God this morning, why, Lord, why this has happened to me? Why am I going through this kind of pain and sickness and family problems and financial struggles and all that I'm going through in my family, Lord, why it's happening? God may be telling you, you are so get carried away by all the problems of this world because you are trying to find joy in those things. And we can never find joy in those areas in our lives. A child of God cannot find joy in this world. There may be momentary happiness and pleasure and all those things are there. But the joy cannot be found. The joy can be found only in spiritual things. Are you with me this morning? No? Yes? Okay. So joy can be found only in spiritual things. Try to do something for God. Try to come closer to God. You will find the joy in you which we cannot get from this world. The worldly struggles cannot really remove their joy. That's the reason we say that joy is different from the happiness that world can offer. The joy can be offered only God by God. Only the spiritual things will bring that joy. And he's saying the joy is certain for those who follow God. And today, if you don't have that joy, there is something wrong in our salvation. Trials are certain. Jesus never promised us trouble-free life. We know that. And testing of our faith is certain. As Peter writes it, put it, even the gold that perishes, it is tested by fire. So the testing is certain. If faith cannot be tested, if a faith cannot be tested, uh, that faith cannot be trusted. If a faith cannot be tested, you know, if I, I, I test before I give a responsibility to somebody, I test. And if they fail in the test, I, they cannot be trusted. Everyone does that. So testing basically removes impurities. Testing basically fortifies it or it strengthens it. Testing reveals all the loopholes, all the weak spots in our lives so that it can be strengthened. So testing of our faith is important. James says, if you can read with me, James chapter 1 verses 2 and 4. I'll finish quickly soon. Uh, James chapter 1 verses 2, and 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you all fall into various trials. Knowing that, what's happening? The testing of your faith produces patience. And then patience, perfect. when patience has its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing. God is working in our lives by testing our faith. 
And that testing of our faith comes in different forms. You know, some of our faith have been tested during days, these days. You know, sometimes our faith is te getting tested to see whether are we able to withstand the tension and the pressures of this world. Are we able to handle the sicknesses that we are handling in our body? Are we still trusting God? Are we still being trying to be faithful to God? Your ability to handle your children is getting tested. Are you still trusting on God for your children's future, for their life, for their settlement? And he says, passing the test is also certain. And once you pass the test, it's rewarding. And he says, maybe rewarding may not be here on, the, on this earth, but it may reward you later. The trials are going to get over soon. And it is going to result in praise, honor, and glory at the end. It's all good. It's all good. So God is telling us this morning what you have been going through. Going through. Go through it. Trusting God. In every situation, let's put our trust in God. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love. Peter is saying you are loving God even without seeing him. Though now you do not see him. Yet believing, you rejoice with the joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The faith of a Christian is based on the things that are revealed, not seen. That's why Peter says, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing. Listen to me carefully. You know, we have a trust in God. Our faith in God is not by seeing him, by the revelations that we receive as we read the word of God. You know, that's where the trust comes in our lives. The faith doesn't stand alone. As the scripture says, when you have faith in God, that produces a strong love for Jesus. And when you have that love relationship with God, you cannot just, you know, keep quiet. You will have unspeakable joy. You will have unspeakable joy. Your faith in God makes you to love God. And it results in unspeakable joy inside of you. It's all related. If you don't have that joy, you don't love God. And if you don't love God, we don't trust Him anymore. We don't get the, we have not received that revelation of God. True Christians have sincere love to Jesus because they believe Him. Just only because they have trust in Him. Where there is true love, as I said, there is unspeakable joy unspeakable joy if there is no love for God today morning we are not following God based on the revelations that we receive you know many times the knowledge that we gain on the Word of God can be just bookish it can be just in the book and we should know we should take that revelation and then just start walking in that revelation as we work closer to God true faith produces love on Jesus and true faith produces joy of following Lord Jesus Christ and he says now very interesting verse 9 receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls remember faith began its good work on the day when you accepted Jesus Christ 
The day when you start following, started following Jesus Christ, <coughs> faith began in your life. And that faith continues. It even continually the getting tested to measure, to see whether it's genuine faith. The faith that you started getting the moment you got the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's a savior and you walk in that faith and the faith continues in your life and continues to work and even though it get tested through various troubles and trials and temptations and here Peter says the faith will end its work when the soul is saved eternally at the salvation of our soul the faith comes to an end listen to me once faith has done its work faith ceases faith will come to an end we don't need faith to live in heaven okay i may be wrong i'll put it right away we need faith in order to go to heaven but when we go to heaven you don't need faith what is faith because we are not following god by our revelations anymore we are going to see him face to face amen when you see him face to face you don't need faith because you know he is my god he is my redeemer i'm seeing him face to face that faith ceases all that the faith had to do is to prepare you to heaven and get you there and faith has nothing to do with after that because you are going to see him face to face with that assurance someone could scream his faith in this way out loud we are reading from job chapter 19 verses 25 to 27 if you can read that with me for i know even a old testament believer is able to see say this how much more you and i need to be saying this for i know that my redeemer lives can you all stand can you just read this together for i know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth was 26 and after my skin is destroyed this i know that in my flesh i shall i shall see god 27 whom i shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me a old testament believer is able to cry out saying the saying that my when my faith ceases i am going to see my redeemer face to face and on that day when my skin is destroyed my whole flesh is gone but still i will see him face to face that's the faith of a child of god you know we are living this life on the face of this earth it's not really worth living this life on the face of this earth but we will live it anyway because it is given but there is a life that is yet to come you know when we set your eyes on the life that is yet to come you won't consider the problems of this earth you won't consider you know who is talking about you who is talking for you and who is talking against you you will not really worry about it keep your eyes set on the life that is yet to come this morning before we close we just want to summarize through the resurrection of lord jesus christ we receive that living hope we have an heavenly inheritance that is incorruptible that is undefiled and that does not fade away and that is reserved for us in the eternal heaven and until that point of time we are all kept by the power of god through faith for salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day in the last time but in the meantime 
The genuineness of our faith which is getting tested, which is even more precious than gold. It is getting tested by various trials and temptations. And eventually it is going to result for good. It is going to result in honor. It is going to result in glory and praise at the revelation of Lord Jesus Christ. But though we don't see him right now, we believe him because of the revelation that the word of God has given to us. And we rejoice in him and we love him so much. And because one day we know that when faith comes to an end, we are going to see him face to face in the eternal realm. This morning God is speaking to us. During this Resurrection Sunday, it, it may be a good thing for us to take this home and say that, Lord, I realize that you are my Redeemer. I realize that, oh God, my life on this earth is going to fade away, but I'm getting into a kingdom. I'm getting translated. I'm getting transferred into a kingdom, Lord God. There my life is not going to fade away. I, I will not have sorrow. I will not have pain, Lord, in that realm. Lord, prepare me. As I live on the face of this earth, shall we just pray this morning before we leave?